You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. Although we start today in Kansas, we're actually going to be traveling the world to follow the trail of Mrs. Belle Bybee Chase. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Belle Bybee was born in Lexington, Illinois in 1863. Her family moves very early on to Kansas, and she actually grows up in the town of Bluff Creek, Kansas. It's in Kansas where she starts doing photography, and by 1885, she's actually an experienced photographer. She opens a photography studio in Harper, Kansas, partnering with a man named John Burgener. After a very short time, that partnership dissolves, and the two of them wind up running competing studios there in Harper, Kansas. In 1886, though, just the next year, she actually is giving up photography and doing a homesteading claim in Barber County, Kansas. But then, I guess that doesn't work out because in 1887, she's back in Harper, again, running her own photography studio, one of two in town, the other still being run by her former partner, John Burgener. Now, at that point, there are some announcements in the paper that, on one hand, she's thinking of moving to Leadville, Colorado, and opening up a photography studio there. Her father, apparently, was now in Leadville, Colorado, so maybe that's what prompted her to say that. She also talks about, well, maybe she'd move back to Bluff Creek, Kansas, and open up a photography studio there. That was her hometown where she grew up. But before either of those things can happen, well, the next thing you know, she's married to a photographer named D.B. Chase. That marriage takes place in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and together they move to Denver. And before I continue with more of their lives together, I want to first just take a moment and talk a little bit about this photographer, D.B. Chase. He had a Kansas connection too, but by the time he marries Belle in 1888, he'd actually been in Colorado and that vicinity for many years. He was in Trinidad and Pueblo, so in Denver, and of course he had the studio in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Now, his father, John Chase, had a photography studio in Atchison, Kansas, but he moves to Colorado for his health in 1875 and establishes his own photography studio in Pueblo, Colorado in 1876. But John Chase, D.B. Chase's father, dies in 1878. And so after he dies, again, D.B. Chase has been living in Trinidad, not in Pueblo at that point, running his own studios. So when John Chase dies... His wife, Lydia Chase, takes her young son, Frankie, who's a teenager, and moves back to Atchison, where they had come from in Kansas. But D.B., he stays in Trinidad, Colorado. At this point in 1878, he's married. He's got a wife named Ella and a young family. He's running a photography studio there and elsewhere, as I said, ultimately including in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Unfortunately, D.B.'s marriage ultimately falls apart, though, and he and Ella Chase get a divorce in 1888, which is why he's unmarried and able to marry Belle Bybee in 1888. 
Now, Lena B. Chase had been around for quite some time with his photography studio, and after he marries Belle, it's clear that she's working with him, but in the city directories, the studio never gets officially rebranded. It's always still listed as just the Dana B. Chase studio. But in the Denver city directories, there's an odd quirk that I don't find in other city directories where the spouse's names are never listed. So in some city directories, you would get for Dana B. Chase, you might get in parentheses, Bell to indicate that that's his wife. But you don't see that at all in the Denver city directory. So Bell doesn't get a separate listing in the directory, but the studio, the output of the studio is rebranded. It's not D.B. Chase's output anymore. It's now the Chase Studio output. And I think that the Chase Studio output indicates that both Bell and D.B. are running that studio together in Denver. Now, while the photography work goes well and the Chase Studio prospers, the marriage does not go so smoothly. In 1897, Bell files for divorce, and it's granted in April of 1898. There is an interesting set of articles in the Denver Post in 1898, around the time of the divorce hearing, which at first say that it was claimed that Bell filed for divorce when she caught D.B. Chase fooling around there in the studio in Denver with a woman named Fanny Smith. There's a retraction of that, saying that there was no evidence presented at the hearing to indicate that that actually happened. But that was the allegation, apparently. And when Bell is granted her divorce, she's actually granted everything that was associated with that studio. DB is still around, and in 1898, he's listed in the directory as living in a boarding house. But now it's Mrs. B.B. Chase who is listed as being the proprietor of the Chase studio. Now, one thing I do want to mention that D.B. Chase was actually a very popular photographer. Um, and before his marriage to Bell, he did a lot of pictures in Santa Fe and in Trinidad and Pueblo, Colorado, of Native Americans. And if you look on the Internet, you're going to find a lot of websites that have his photos, which are beautiful. Um, and you're also going to find some erroneous information about him. In 1901, there's an article in the newspaper that I'll explain about in a minute, but in passing, it mentions that Mrs. B.B. Chase took over that Chase studio only after D.B. Chase died in 1898. But in fact, he did not die in 1888. It's not true because D.B. Chase actually gets remarried in 1899 to a woman named Fanny Smith. Yes, the woman that was mentioned in the divorce hearing in 1898. Anyway, D.B. Chase marries Fanny Smith in April of 1899, and they move to Salt Lake City, where D.B. Chase opens up a very successful photography studio. He has not died, and therefore Mrs. Chase takes over the studio after the divorce, not after D.B. Chase's death. But that erroneous information does come from this article because it's portraying Mrs. Chase as one of the newfangled modern women who are very successful in business. She's held up as an example of someone who is really successful and it's mentioned that she takes over the studio and has success after her husband dies, which is really kind of bizarre because he didn't die. They got divorced. But in any case, D.B. and Fanny Chase have moved to Salt Lake City, and they're living in Salt Lake in the early 1900s. Now, interestingly, Fanny Chase was also a photographer, and 
Unfortunately, the marriage with DB does not work out with Fanny either. And so when Fanny and DB get divorced, there's a notice in the paper in Salt Lake that said that she'd actually gone off a couple of years ago. She went to California to visit people and she never came back. In fact, she stayed in LA and set up a photography studio business for herself there. Now, Fanny ultimately gets awarded $40 a month alimony as long as she remains unmarried. And she does remain unmarried for a while, but then in 1913, she marries a man named Joseph Strang. And after that, she's operating as a photographer in L.A. as Fanny Strang. Now, she may have waited till 1913 to get remarried because it would appear from the record that D.B. Chase actually dies in 1912. At least, I found a D.B. Chase who dies in 1912 in Los Angeles. And that makes no sense to me, because why would he have gone to Los Angeles, which is where his estranged wife, Fanny, was? Did she agree to take care of him when he was sick? Is this the wrong D.B. Chase? I don't know. But it does look like D.B. Chase, a photographer from Denver and Salt Lake, ultimately dies in 1912. Fanny, though, continues to run that studio in L.A. And yes, Fanny is another early woman photographer. And yes, she should be covered here on the podcast at some point. But her full story has to wait for another day because today we're really focused on Belle B. Chase, and I need to get back to her story. Now, when we last left Belle, she was in Denver, having just divorced DB, getting the studio and taking over. She's the toast of the town, very successful owner-operator of the Chase studio. All of her output is now labeled Mrs. B.B. Chase. She's actually fully rebranding everything. And so even though that 1901 article celebrates her success, it is interesting that it doesn't really acknowledge the fact that she's been a successful photographer for many years, even before she married D.B. But that 1901 article is correct, at least, in saying that Mrs. Chase is a very prosperous photographer there in Denver. She also, at some point in the next couple of years, opens up another studio in Boulder, I actually have a cabinet card that was produced in that location by her, but I don't have much information about there. Her primary location continues to be Denver, and that's where she's doing her photography, taking photos, and also training people. Now, she and DB actually trained people. Of course, one of their students back in the early 1890s was George Freeland. I talked about that in the last episode because George Freeland was the son of Mrs. Rosa Freeland, the wonderful photographer from McPherson, Kansas and many other spots in Kansas, Colorado, and Oklahoma. But after Bella's on her own, she continues to take on students and trains people how to be photographers so they can set out and start their own studios as well. One thing that does seem to change after the divorce, though, is that Belle starts to get noticed a lot in the social notices. You didn't see that when she was married to D.B., but once she's Mrs. B.B. Chase, well, she does appear in the social notices, and she's quite popular. The toast of Denver, I'd say. Things go along really well for a few years. I mean, business is booming. And then suddenly, in the fall of 1904, things take an unexpected turn. First comes the news in September of 1904, given in an exclusive interview with Mrs. B.B. Chase in the Denver Post, that there's news that she is selling her studio and moving to Cape Town, South Africa. She says in the article that friends have convinced her to try opening a photography studio there. There's actually a great photo of Belby Chase with that article, and I'll include that in the episode notes. It's always fun to get to see a photo of the actual photographer. 
But the biggest news that comes in late 1904, early 1905, comes via the Denver Post in another exclusive interview that's published on January 1st, 1905. It's about an event that takes place that very day. She's moving to Cape Town, not just to open up a photography studio, but also because she's getting remarried. Let me read you a little bit of that article, because it's quite fun on many levels. It's an interview with Mrs. Belle B. Chase about the new adventure she's about to take. From Cape Town, South Africa to Denver, a distance of over 6,000 miles, Charles Frank Chase traveled for a New Year's gift, and he says he will get what to him is the most priceless treasure on earth. This evening, in the presence of only a few intimate friends, Mr. Chase will take for a bride Belle B. Chase of Denver, and thereby bring to a delightful climax an unusual romance which has extended over two years. The article goes on to say, Mrs. Belby Chase is one of the foremost professional women in Denver. For some years, she's conducted a photographic studio on 16th, near Curtis Street, and is regarded among the people of her profession as the leading lady photographer of America. About two months ago, as told exclusively in the Post, Mrs. Chase announced that she had disposed of her business and would go to Cape Town. She did not give the least indication of her approaching marriage, and even her dearest friends never guessed her secret. Therefore, yesterday, when announcements were delivered in the mail, the tidings came like a thunderbolt from a clear sky, as thrilling fiction writers say. Now, just to pause for a moment... The idea that her friends didn't really know what was going on, well, possible, but in fact, in December of that year, Charles F. Chase applies for a passport. On the passport, he says that he will be accompanied to South Africa by his wife, Belle B. Chase. Thing is that that application is witnessed by a Miss Ella Potter, and Miss Ella Potter actually worked for Belle B. Chase, so there were some people close to Belle B. Chase who did know that she was going to be marrying this Charles Frank Chase. Any case, let me continue with the article. Subhead says, tells of love romance. So this evening, the wedding ceremony will be performed by Reverend George B. Vosberg of the First Baptist Church in Mrs. Chase's Chambers, 910 16th Street. This will end Mrs. Chase's reign over the quarters she has so long occupied, She will at once turn over her business to some Boston people and leave Denver on Monday for a trip around the world. Cape Town will be her future home. Okay, just to pause for a moment here. I don't know about the Boston people, but the person who winds up running her studio is F.E. Post. He buys the studio, and he has actually been in Denver for many years. So maybe he originally came from Boston, but he's been in Denver for quite a while. Anyway, the article continues. With the laughter that ripples and a becoming blush, Mrs. Chase told a visitor today about her romance. Quote, Surprised everybody, didn't I? She said. Even surprised myself, she continued. One sad experience made me think there were no good men left in the world, and I really believe I've got the last one in Mr. Chase. She continues, Oddly enough, our names are the same, although we are in no way related. I met Mr. Chase about two years ago. He was on a tour around the world at the time and brought a letter of introduction to me from his sister, whom I knew in the East. I can't say it was a case of love at first sight, although we did find much in common from the very start. He spent several days here, 
and when he went away, we maintained an uninterrupted correspondence. Well, one day, his letter asked a pointed question, and I wrote back, yes. The article concludes, Charles Frank Chase is in the drug importing and jobbing business in Cape Town. He exports raw material from Africa for a large New York manufacturer, and in turn imports into Africa the manufactured product. He is reputed to be very wealthy and will fit up a beautiful home for his bride in faraway Cape Town when the bridal trip is ended. I just love that article. It's so over the top about the romance and the unexpected nature of Charles Frank Chase coming from South Africa to claim his bride. Now, in addition to the things that I've already pointed out, there's one other interesting thing that I'd like to just take a moment and discuss. Mrs. Chase is quoted as saying, Oddly enough, our names are the same, although we are in no way related. Really? Well, in the words of Paul Harvey, now for the rest of the story. Because you see, it's not so much of an odd coincidence after all. Do you remember back when I talked about the death of Dana B. Chase's father, John Chase, back in 1878? I mentioned that after his death, John Chase's wife, Lydia, moves back to Atchison, Kansas with her youngest son, Frankie. Now, Frankie's full name was Charles Frank Chase. And so despite Bell's claims in that article that I just read you, it turns out that Charles Frank Chase, the one that Bell marries in 1905, is actually none other than Frankie, that younger brother of D.B. Chase, Bell's first husband. Seriously. Now, it took a little bit of tracking down and piecing it together, but my husband Chris and I are confident that we have a paper trail that proves this. It's really neither here nor there. I mean, it was certainly Bell's prerogative to claim otherwise, maybe it made for a better story in the Denver Post, but it is intriguing to wonder why she made such a big deal about the fact that her new husband was certainly, most definitely not at all related to her first husband, when in fact they were brothers. Anyway, the studio is sold to a man named Effie Post, and Bell and Frankie go off to South Africa, leaving at the end of January 1905, arriving in Cape Town on May 1st, 1905. They live in Cape Town, she as a photographer, he as a pharmaceutical representative, until 1911, when Frankie is off on, I guess, a business trip to Rhodesia, and he dies there of peritonitis in October of 1911. Belle lives as a widow in South Africa for the next year and a half, but then in 1913, she applies for a passport and permission to return to the United States. She doesn't list an occupation on her passport application, but over the years as she's been living in South Africa, she's consistently listed herself as a photographer on those consular certificates. Anyway, she returns to the U.S. in 1914, and in the Passenger Manifest, she says she's headed to Denver, Colorado. Now, it's not clear what she's planning to do in Denver in 1914, and in fact, I lose track of her. The trail runs cold for a few years. I like to think that she's come back and now she's traveling, visiting old friends, maybe some family members. And one person she might have visited could have been the woman who was listed as the next of kin on one of those consular certificates back in 1911. It's a woman named Mrs. Mary C. Plum. Doing a little digging revealed that Mary C. Plum was born Mary Chase. It turns out she's a sister of Frank and D.B., 
While Frankie and Belle are living in South Africa, she's the one listed as the next of kin to contact in the United States in case of their deaths. Interestingly, Mary C. Plum turns out to have been one of the pioneering women doctors in Oakland, California. She received her medical degree way back in 1886. Now, it's really intriguing that I've run across yet another early wind physician. I mean, I really wouldn't have suspected that there were that many, and it's amazing how many I keep running into as I'm doing this research. Anyway, around 1917, Belle settles down in L.A. and opens up a photography studio there. She runs that studio for a few years, but then she leaves L.A. and the trail goes cold again for a couple of years until she pops up working at a photography studio in Honolulu. Now, she's there for a couple of years in the middle of the 1920s, working for a man named Richard Post. Back in 1905, she sold her Denver business to a man named F.E. Post. Post is kind of a common name, so I don't know if there's any connection there or if it really is just a coincidence. After a couple of years in Honolulu, she moves back to L.A. She never seems to run her own studio again, but she does work for other studios as both a photographer and a retoucher. In 1936, at the age of 73, Mrs. Belby Chase, the widow of C.F. Frankie Chase, dies in Los Angeles. There are still some more small details I'd have uncovered about Belby Chase, uh, about more of her ads, some ads for her hiring help for her studios, including not only a photographer, but also a janitor. Um, but there's still a lot left to her story that really needs to be tracked down someday. I first ran across Mrs. B.B. Chase when I bought a handful of cabinet cards by her for just a couple of dollars at an antique store. I've really been fascinated with the story that's emerged from all the records that I've uncovered about her online. I mean, here's a woman who started her photography career in the early 1880s and was still listing herself in the city directory as a photographer 50 years later. In the episode notes for today, I'll post some of those ads that I mentioned as well as some of the examples of the beautiful cabinet cards that she produced. As usual, that information will be over in the episode notes on my website at p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. Remember, you can always drop me an email at podcast at p3photographers.net or connect with me through Facebook at facebook.com slash p3photographers. Support for this podcast is provided by listeners like you. Check out the website to find information on how you too can become a supporter of the project. So I have to say, finding that crossover connection between Mrs. Rosa Reland's son, George, and Mrs. Belby Chase, well, that was quite fun to find. I mean, who would have thought that a young man from McPherson, Kansas, would wind up studying photography with Bell and D.B. Chase in the early 1890s, and that man's mother would be a phenomenal early women artisan photographer in her own right? Anyway, next time we're going to leave Colorado behind to head a little further west. Until then, I'm Lee McIntyre, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols.